This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson. Hello and welcome to Jail Ministry today. We are glad that you are here to study the Bible with us today and that's what we're all about. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to have it in front of you. Go grab it. Come on back and let's study God's truth, which is absolute truth for our lives. Now, some of you may not have a Bible. I would encourage you to get your hands on a Bible. God has revealed himself to us today. And he has spoken us to us through his son, Christ Jesus, says this in Hebrews. Now, we have been working on a study or a series called Christian Doctrines. I've been doing a study on this myself. It's by Paul Washer. He used to be a missionary to Peru. He's a pastor, incredible pastor. I would encourage you to work through his studies if you can get your hands on them. And so one of his new ones is how to study the Holy Scriptures. And that was intriguing. And he goes over in detail, as I'm always working on one of these studies, he talks about Christian doctrine. And it says, the purpose of doctrine is not to divide, but to unite the church. Now, I realize that <clears throat> these messages, these lessons, I realize that you listening and watching right now, um, hopefully you are a Christian, you are a believer, you've been born again, and you have the righteousness of Christ Jesus. But I also realize there's a group of people who say they're Christians, walk like it, talk like it, look like it, but they haven't been born again. And then I realize that there are some of you who are just unsaved, and you're just watching this because you're curious to know what do those Christians teach. And that's okay. So we're talking about Christian doctrine, and even though doctrine is not to divide the church, and the church is the people, it's not a building, okay? At times, it might be necessary to separate over fundamental doctrines, and I'm going to give you an example. And I call them doctrines of faith and practice. Some of these that we've covered already, and some of them we'll cover in the future, <clears throat> today we're going to discuss the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And you just really don't hear a lot of sermons, I haven't in my lifetime, about the Holy Spirit. But yet, when I was doing my research, I was astounded at how much there is in the Old Testament and the New Testament about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, we've done lessons already on the authority of the Bible, the Trinity. Last week we did the universality of sin, and these don't have to be in any particular order, so I would encourage you to go back and watch these. And the other one that we've done already is salvation by faith, salvation by grace alone through faith alone, which is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So today we're going to be working on the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't have to go in any order. But there's a lot of detail here. And so I would get your Bible, a pen, or a pencil, and make note of the scripture references as we go through here. Now, I want to say this, and I say this pretty much in every lesson, doctrine 
is for every believer. When we study the Bible, we are studying doctrine. One of the most frequent excuses, and I do hear this, and I just kind of cringe when I hear it, for the Christian's neglect of doctrine. Oh, you know, I just go to church and I worship, and I love worshiping the Lord, but I don't need to get into doctrine. Well, if you're reading your Bible, then you're studying doctrine. And they'll say doctrine is not, is that, it's just simply too difficult for a common believer. The excuse is in direct contradiction to the scriptures, though. Mm -hmm. All that God has revealed in his word is for every believer. We must always remember that our knowledge of God and his will does not depend upon our intellectual capacity or privilege as much as it depends upon our desire to know and to do his will and the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. This is very important. The third person of the Trinity. He dwells in the heart of everyone who is genuinely converted. That's born again through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So keep this in mind. The personhood of the Holy Spirit is affirmed by his role as the third person of the Godhead. We call this the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Only a being who is equal to God, and this is found in Matthew 28:19. What does Matthew 28, 19 refer to? And this is what we say is the Great Commission. Do you remember this? And maybe you don't know it. He says, go and baptize. And this is going to be in verse 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but yet one. So keep that in mind. The Holy Spirit is not an it. This is very important. The Holy Spirit is not a she. I've had a woman try to convince me of that one time. Didn't work. The Holy Spirit is a he. And he possesses the attributes of an omnipresence and the eternality as we define as God. The Holy Spirit is a person, as Scripture makes very clear. So where do I go to learn about the Holy Spirit? The Bible, of course, and that's where we're going to go. He is to be revered as God and serves in perfect unity with the Father and Son to lead us and guide us in our spiritual lives as Christians. Now, he does something different with the unsaved, which we're going to talk about. And it says in John 16, 13, he will guide us into all truth. So I want you to keep these important truths in mind. Now, when I was doing some research, and I want you to get a pen or a pencil, and I want you to jot some things down. Some people will say, well, we just don't see a lot of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, yeah, we do. We really do. So I want to just give you a few verses, and then I'm going to um, read some of these. So I want you to get your Bible. <clears throat> Where do we see 
where do we as humans see the first reference to the Holy Spirit? Do you remember? Think way, way back in your Bible. In Genesis 1-2. Genesis 1-2. This is where we see the Trinity. In Genesis 1-2 it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Three distinct persons, but yet one. Time is not for God, my friends. Time is for us. Before the foundation of the world, they were always one. This is what messes with my brain sometimes. Well, where did God come from? We'll be able to ask Him those questions one day. He just is. He's a, God is consuming fire. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here's another verse in Psalm 51, 11. We see beautiful psalms by King David, and this is one of them. He says, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So we're getting to see a little bit of a pattern here. Then we're going to further see this pattern. In the Old Testament, we have the book of Judges. God gave His people judges. Mainly not only to judge them, but to lead them and to guide them, which is very interesting as we talk about the Holy Spirit. In Judges 14.6, it says this, Judges 14.6, Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion to pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Who are we talking about here? Samson. This is not hu normal human ability here. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Here's another one. First Samuel. Samuel was a prophet. First Samuel 16.13 16.13 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. There we see another one. The Spirit of the Lord came upon someone whom God called. And he gives them power through his Spirit. Gives them wisdom and knowledge as well. Here's another one, another pattern. Judges 6, 34. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he was a judge. And he sounded the trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called out to follow him. Here's another one. Job. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's really not about suffering. It's about God's righteousness. It says in Job 33, 4, The Spirit of God has made me... And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And there's some other verses that I'm just going to give you right now. You can go back and do some homework. Judges 3.10. Psalm 104.30. Here's an important one. 1 Samuel 16.14. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul... Remember King Saul? Mm. And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. 
Here's another one about Joshua, Numbers 27, 18. I love this one in Genesis 6, 3 in the Old Testament. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, his days shall be 120 years. Judges 11, 29. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 10. There's another one that rushed upon someone. There's a pattern here. Judges 14, 19. And the list goes on and on. So I would encourage you to do a search of the Old Testament, of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So let's talk about a little bit more. And then we're going to, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to move over into the New Testament. The Bible is comprised of what we would say the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the New Testament we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels that start. So as we talk about the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, and is a person. So the Bible provides, and we can see this already, ways for us to understand the Holy Spirit. And you know, when I think of the Trinity, I always thought, oh, the Father and the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who is God. But I always consider like the Holy Spirit just kind of like over here on the sidelines. You know, and Holy Spirit's not like a genie in a bottle here. Okay. And I've really needed to understand that I really needed to have a better understanding of the Trinity, number one, and who God is and his characteristics and his nature. And I do that from studying His Word. But I'd really never done a deeper search into the Holy Spirit, into the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I really enjoyed this. So He is a personal being rather than an impersonal thing. It. Every pronoun, and this is important, every pronoun used in reference to the Spirit is He and not It. And I've mentioned this. The original Greek language of the New Testament is explicit in confirming the person of the Holy Spirit. The word spirit is pneuma. And it is neuter. N-E-U-T-E-R. And it would naturally take neuter pronouns to have grammatical agreement, right? Yet, this is important, in many cases, masculine pronouns are found. Examples are found in John 15:26 and John 16:13 through 14. So grammatically, there is no other way to understand the pronouns of the New Testament related to the Holy Spirit. He is referred to as he. This is Christian doctrine. I would say it's essential Christian doctrine. It's interesting that today the enemy, Satan, he wants to destroy mankind. And what does he attack? Hmm? Brings all this gender confusion, binary. I don't even know how many there are today. But they're wrong. They're anti God, they're against God. In Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Peter referred to the Holy Spirit as God. 
there's another example stating, and this is an interesting context here. This couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they decided to sell their property and they were going to give the money to the church, but they held back some of the property. Mm-hmm. How would anyone ever know that? Well, Peter did through the Holy Spirit. And he stated, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? In the beginning, this is where the church in Acts was just growing. The Holy Spirit had come upon the people, the Christians. You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Paul, the Apostle Paul, likewise referred to the Holy Spirit as God in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. What did he say? He stated, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now we could go really in depth with this, but there's freedom from sin, to chase after sin, or sin nature. Mm -hmm. So this is very important also. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into the image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Also we see the personhood of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is also affirmed by his many works. Now this one's really special. He was personally, you might want to make a note of these, he was personally, he was personally involved in the creation. Mm-hmm. With God was God. In Genesis 1-2. He empowers God's people. Where do we see this? In Zechariah chapter 4, verse, verse 6. He guides his people. We see this not only in Romans 8-14, but we also see it in John 16. The Holy Spirit comforts. In fact, he's called the Comforter. We know from Isaiah 9-6 what his name will be called. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Comforter, Wonderful, Counselor. Mm -hmm. We see this. He comforts from John 14-26. The Holy Spirit convicts. Now I want to talk about these two for a moment. So let's go back here to John 14, 26. And I used to read some of these verses and I kind of go over it like a speed bump. You ever do that in scripture? That's why it's real important, I think, to do expository reading. A lot of people just kind of open up their Bible and say, Oh, look, I think I'll just read there today. Um, you need to have a plan when you read the Bible. My rule, if you fail to plan, you basically plan to fail. You need to have a plan to study the scriptures. So I want to look at the Holy Spirit in reference to um, two chapters in John. It's pretty loaded. In John 14, 26, I'm going to talk about this one. 
because this is where we see where Jesus is speaking. In chapter 14, verse mm, let's go back here, I just lost my verse 26. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna go back up here to verse 16. Chapter 14, verse 16 first. And Jesus is saying, And I will pray, he's as the Son of God, and I will pray to the Father. And he will give you another helper. We see another name for the Holy Spirit. And he may abide with you forever. Okay? Now in John 14, 26, Jesus continues to say, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, and I'm quoting, Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Does this begin to really kind of elevate and have a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is? Really for comforter, wonderful counselor, helper. Okay, let's go to John 16. Now we see two things here in John chapter 16. And I remember a few years ago, this is what really got me started on a study of the Holy Spirit, especially in evangelism. And this is Jesus still speaking here, so keep this in mind. And he says this, verse 7, 16 verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, meaning Christians, that I go away for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, you see that? I will send him to you. And when he comes, he is capitalized here because he is God. And when he comes, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Mm. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Meaning Satan is judged. Christ came, he judged him. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them for now. Now, we, when we study the Bible and we read God's word, I think of it like an, an onion. And there are different layers that you can peel back on an onion. And that's the way God's word is sometimes. So sometimes we don't understand them maybe right now, but you might remember, hmm, I want to know a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. And that time comes. It is that way sometimes with certain topics. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, who's he? Comma, the spirit of truth. There's another name for the Holy Spirit. Has come, he will guide you, meaning the believer, into all truth. Not some truth, not a partial truth. Okay? Okay. For he will not speak on his own authority, mm -mm, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. 
He, meaning the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, meaning Jesus, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. What a wonderful blessing for Christians to know this truth that he doesn't leave us as little orphaned children. That he sends his comforter, wonderful counselor, helper, the spirit of truth to lead us and guide us into all truth. So we know that he convicts the world and he convives, he can convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he also here says that he will teach us the truth. Now we see another passage here where he teaches in John 16, 13. We also see that the Holy Spirit restrains us, holds us back in Isaiah 59, 13. And the Holy Spirit gives commands. We see this in Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Each of these works, this is important to understand, requires the involvement of a person who is God. A person rather than a mere spiritual force. He's not just a spiritual force or a thing or an idea. We're talking about God here and God sent the helper to us as believers. Now the Holy Spirit's attributes also point to his personality. Now I have a personality. You have a personality. And the Holy Spirit has life. We see this in Romans 8.2. He has a will. You have a will. I have a will. He has a will. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 12.11. He's also eternal. We see this in Hebrews 9.14. He is forever. He always was. He is forever. He is omnipresent in Psalm 139, verse 7. A mere spiritual being, a mere force, could not possess all of these attributes that we've just talked about. But the Holy Spirit does. And the personhood of the Holy Spirit is affirmed by His role as the third person of the Trinity, the Godhead. Only a being who is equal to God, and we see this in Matthew 28, 19, and possesses the attributes, remember, of omnipresence and eternality could be defined as God. So again, the Holy Spirit is a person, as Scripture makes clear. Where did I find this truth that I've been sharing with you? From the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. He is to be revered. So what do I do with this information? Well, he's to be revered as God. Not a genie in a bottle. And he serves in perfect unity, just like Jesus did, with the Father. And the Holy Spirit serves in perfect unity with the Father and the Son to lead us in our spiritual lives. Now, I took note, I've read some of the interesting verses to you, not only from the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. One of the things that's always been intriguing to me is not just who the Holy Spirit is, but His work. And I was doing a lesson a couple weeks ago with the ladies in jail, and we were talking about John chapter 3. 
Now, John, I think, is probably one of my favorite books in the Bible, if we can have a favorite book, is John chapter 3. And this passage in particular got my attention, and we had a little discussion about the water and the Spirit. And this is why it's so important for you, because we have a filter of sin. It's like if I were to drop, put a drop of arsenic in here, okay, it's polluted. I mean, it's poison. We have a nature to sin. Our old nature. My old nature. Chased after sin. Pursued sin. But when I was born again, which is what John 3 talks about, I was given a new heart and a new mind. I was a new creation. Going back to the creation in the beginning. I was became a new creation in Christ, not by my own hand, but by the will of God. Not of flesh, he says here. So I want to read this. This is very important. And there was a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews, and he came to talk to Jesus. And he's, he knows that Jesus is important, and he's a prophet because of the miracles that he's doing. And Jesus says things like, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus doesn't understand this. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Hmm. So I want you to cross-reference for your homework in Titus chapter 3, verses 4, 5, and 6. What's he talking about here? And I've heard lots of explanations for this. Just as in the beginning with creation... The Holy Spirit, God, gave life, created, and gives life. He gives new life to the believer in Christ. So my question to you today is, have you repented? And do you believe in the one and only Son of God? The God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If you don't, I and if you do, I would just encourage you all to stay with us and keep coming back. God bless and continue to study the Bible. Thank you.